I'm giving you an opportunity to get on this kid's bandwagon. You see that tonight? You went from being a legend killer to being a legend. <laughs> I'm proud of you, kid. Right, baby. Yeah. Let's get a drink. Welcome to Last Match Standing, the podcast where we review, relive, and rank the greatest wrestling matches of all time. As always, I'm Spencer. I'm Barbie. And I'm the Fire Marshal. And today we are coming to you from April 18th, 2004 from Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, the Rexall Place. It's Backlash 2004, Randy Orton versus Mick Foley in a hardcore match. For the Intercontinental Championship. What a pro wrestling perfect storm. In one of the greatest years in WWE history, a young and hungry Randy Orton looking to make a name for himself. A returning Mick Foley, who although not full-time anymore, hasn't lost a damn step. Nope. And these guys are willing to do whatever it takes to push the envelope and redefine what mainstream wrestling can look like. In 2004, it, this match is a rare, brutal, beautiful gem. Yeah, coming off of what was a really solid WrestleMania 20, right? Lots of highs, lots of peaks in that show. There were some valleys, but there were peaks too at WrestleMania 20. Uh, and and it's arguable that Backlash 2004 was even better. Um, Backlash 2004 is a really, really good show, top to bottom. And this match stands out uh, amongst some really, really good ones on that card. And you're absolutely right. This is 2004... As WWE has transitioned out of the Attitude Era, here we are in this new era, not yet to PG, right? No, and so who is the that. WWE right now in 2004, right? And a match like this, I think, helps paint that picture. It does. It does. And it's just both of these men have praised this match as one of the best in their career. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Just last year on the uh, anniversary of the of the match, right, Both both men took to Twitter. And Mick Foley said, 16 years ago today, right? So this was a tweet from last year. The best match of my career. Randy Orton replied and said, that is probably my favorite and the most impactful match of my career. That's straight from the two guys in it, right? That's incredible if you think about the brawls that Mick Foley has had. Mind games. And the incredible rivalries that Randy Orton has had, that they both look back at this match so fondly. And so do all of you, because this match won out on a Twitter poll. Landslide. Yeah, on absolute both, landslide. On both Twitter and Patreon. Yep. Absolutely. It absolutely did. And we love, by the way, uh, the feedback there and the interaction and, and you guys involving yourselves and taking the time to vote. We super, super appreciate that. Um, as season four has rolled along here, first of all, we want to say thank you for being patient with us. I know that... Um, our schedule has not been perfect or ideal, um, but we're working through it, and, and I think we're getting to a better place. It's just been, you know, a busy time. And so we normally take a, a mid-season break 
We did not do that um, after episode 70. We went ahead and released episode 71, but unintentionally. Took- well, we had the Hurricane Ida really slowed us down here That's in South Louisiana. True. That's absolutely and, true. And, and a lot of things just sort of popped up after that. So thank you so much for sticking with us. We're so excited to be back, and uh, we, we hope you enjoy this one. It's going to be a really fun episode. So what we're trying to say is, we're back real <laughs> and better than ever. I do want to shout out uh, Bruce on Twitter really quickly. We haven't had a chance because it's been a a couple of weeks to go through sort of interactions and and really cool things that have happened. And uh, Bruce reached out to us on Twitter uh, and said that uh, I have officially caught up to all of the last match main feed and (laughs) Patreon content. That is extremely impressive. In the span of about two months. I mean, it's wildly impressive. He said, one, highly recommend. Two, definitely going to need more of that ASAP. So, Bruce, man, hey, thanks so much. Super appreciate that. Um, we have loved doing this show in all different capacities that we do it in, and and it's and it's for people like you that enjoy it. So thank you so much for being along for the ride. Two months worth. I mean, that is so impressive. I I can't even think about listening to to my voice for that much for two months. So so thanks for doing that. Um, yeah, you know, we're sort of getting back on the bandwagon here. And so I would expect some more Patreon Twitter polls throughout the course of season four. We've gotten some really good suggestions from you guys during this little mini break here that we've had. And so we've got some really, really exciting stuff to look forward to. Most definitely. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. But this match, Randy Orton, Mick Foley, you know, you talked about how Mick Foley hasn't lo- lost a step. JR says on commentary, we've got JR and King here. And JR says on commentary that Foley was billed at 272 in weight which is the uh, lowest he's weighed for a match since 1989. Wow. That blows my mind. How about that? But, I mean, here's the thing that you don't realize maybe about Mick Foley. That's a big dude. It is. Yes. Like, I, if you've met him in person, he is massive. And I don't, and I don't know why it, something about him you don't think that necessarily when you watch him wrestle. Um, but he's a big, big man. No, he's like 6'4". Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's big. Yeah, he's a big, big man. Uh, and he's in great shape in this match. And there is no reason at all I need to go into the shape that Randy Orton is in. Well, and, you know, we talk yeah, a lot. Randy. We talk a lot about how evolution molded Randy Orton a whole lot. But how different would Randy Orton's career have looked without this match with Mick Foley? I don't think he would have... Um gotten past the evolution days i think he it's hard to imagine i think he would have been labeled as oh he's a wimp he, he he's not a tough guy he can't uh he can't like out brawl or like he, or he can't be pictured in the main event scene right because no, but he, think about it i'm sorry paul think about it and and this is a, a comparison i'm going to try to not make very often on this episode but it's one that i think is worth bringing up here edge mcfoley wrestlemania 22 that match elevated Edge to a different level. Yes. And the look at what happens here in 2004, it's just a couple months later, Randy Orton wins the World Heavyweight Championship. Yes, he does. Triple H, Mick Foley, 2000 Royal Rumble. Thank you. Absolutely catapulted Triple H onto a whole other plane yeah. of existence. Because before, before that, he was the sniveling heel that had to have everybody else interfere in win matches for him. And after that, it's like, no, he's a sadistic bastard. He was he a legit do. guy. And there had already been a little bit of those seeds planted prior to their Royal Rumble match. But just talking about how, how much Mick Foley has given to us as wrestling fans, one of those things that might be overlooked sometimes is the other wrestlers that were wrestling him. 
He gave yeah. that to us. No, you are so right about that. One, this is a great opportunity to bring up the taxi at the Royal Rumble 2000 set. It just feels like it needs to be said every time we can possibly <laughs> Love bring it. it up. Love it. Two, um, you're absolutely right. Mick Foley is one of those guys, almost like a Shawn Michaels, where win or lose almost doesn't matter mm-hmm. for him. Right, because of what he's able to do in the ring and how he's able to showcase the talent he's in the ring with. And I think that speaks volumes to the impact Mick Foley has had on the wrestling industry. Well, we have spoken volumes about Mick Foley on the show previously. Yes, we have. He has been listed. He's on this list several, several times over. And yeah, so he's, he's, he's on our list as uh, Mankind, yep. as Mick Foley, as Cactus Jack. We don't have a dude love match. Not yet. On our list. Not yet. If, 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 listen, yeah, you guys, if there's anybody out there that thinks that there's a dude love match that is one of the 100 greatest of all time. We want to review it. Yeah, you let us know. But we would love to to, to do all three faces of Foley uh, on the list. But, Lena, go ahead, man. But, so we've talked about Mick Foley. I don't think Randy Orton has been on this list before. At, at least, I think he is in the Survivor Series match that we've covered. Yeah, he's there. But But other than that... I can't recall a Randy Orton match on our list. So I'm pretty sure this is his first singles that match. That is a fact, yeah. With mm-hmm. that being said, let's talk about Randy Orton a little bit before we get into this match. Randall. If you're listening to this, I'm sure, I'm sure you know Randall Keith Orton is a third-generation wrestler despite his father's best efforts to convince Randy not to become a wrestler. It's a tough life. Look, we... We are so glad that he did and went on to become one of the greatest performers in WWE history, but... You know, how much time do wrestlers spend away from their families? You know, it's like something that you never really Too think much. about, you never really talk about. Uh, but his dad was just like, don't do it, don't do it. And he did it. Uh, after a brief career in the U.S. Marines, Randy's pro wrestling career officially began in the year 2000 in the Mid-Missouri Wrestling Association's Southern Illinois Conference Wrestling. <laughs> Give me that acronym back. Wow. <laughs> sounds sounds like a, a group of five football conference. <laughs> Shortly after, he was signed by WWF and sent to OVW, where he began his long-standing rivalry and friendship with John Cena. Did they ever wrestle each other? Those two guys? Eh, a couple times. Uh, 1,000 times. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know. You think I'm joking? No, I don't. <laughs> no, definitely not. A lot of people don't know. Randy Orton is a two-time OVW hardcore champion. You don't see him go to the hardcore wrestling route too often. But he has never been afraid to do whatever it takes to win. Orton's time in OVW ended as part of the legendary 2002 graduation class alongside Brock Lesnar, John Cena, and Dave Batista. They'll never make anything in this business, I'm telling you. <laughs> I mean, talk about being in, in OVW in 2002. Just insane. Yeah, that's wild. One of the first matches under the WWE banner uh, for Orton was a WrestleMania 18 access fit match that only the fans who went to access saw um, against Tommy Dreamer. Wow. Talking about hardcore. Yeah. Uh, Randy Orton made his WWE TV debut on SmackDown in a winning effort against... Do you know? Chris Anybody Canyon. know? Nope. It's the it's he's got blue tight like Randy Orton's this is is this blue tight phase right blue Orton? tight phase with the orange trim God, I'm seeing I'm, I'm not seeing the highlight in Bob my, Holly Bob Holly that, that is correct yep yep I April two thousand two on how Smackdown. do you like me now that's right 
Uh, in September, Randy Orton was traded to Raw, but suffered a shoulder injury shortly after his Raw debut match. Oh, yeah, and he was off TV for a while. He was. Well, well, actually, no. He wasn't off TV. He didn't wrestle. He During had his, his recovery. Uh, didn't he have like these like newsroom-style <laughs> segments? Yes. Paul remembers. I re- you know why I remember? Because he interrupts Shawn Michaels' pre-match promo before the 2002 Elimination Chamber. That's what he series. did. Yeah. That's what it was. The Randy News Network segments <laughs> would interrupt other segments. That's so funny. That's That was the whole deal. It's it, funny because whenever he is in evolution, he was still doing that gimmick. When they brought him out, he got the RNN thing. And I'm like, who the fuck R-N-N, is this guy? And I'm like, he's going to be in this new super group. And then this other guy named Mark Gendry. Sorry, Dave Batista is going to be in this group. Well, no, <laughs> the the Batista. I, I can't. I think it might have been the actually Batista joined first, and then Randy. He did came back, and it was a big shock because he like attacked somebody. I can't remember exactly what happened. Uh, but anyway, it sort of was a way to keep Randy front of mind, and while selling him as this narcissistic heel that we all know and love today. Um, Randy returned as a member of the newly formed Evolution Stable, as we talked about, alongside Batista, Ric Flair, and Triple H. Randy's 2003 was outstanding. He entered the Elimination Chamber alongside Triple H. Uh, He won the Intercontinental Championship from Rob Van Dam, which began the greatest Intercontinental title reign of all time. Okay, I'm biased. (laughs) It it was a 210-day reign, and he was building the perfect heel character, the legend killer. I mean, this was... I mean, total, total bias for me. Listen, your fanboy is showing hard. He, he was my of... absolute favorite wrestler during this time period. Yeah. I, I, I stood up every time his entrance music I get came on. Like, I was just all in. Uh, June 23rd, 2003, Monday Night Raw. Madison Square Garden. The last stop in that arena before WrestleMania 20. Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out. And he decides it's time to recognize... One of New York's greatest performers, Mick Foley. All the ECW originals came out. I remember seeing this live because uh, RVD actually came out with the WWF Hardcore Championship mm. in this like case and everything. I thought they were going to reinstate the belt. I thought that was the point of the segment. So I, I was they had, like, they had like literally just gotten rid of it. I know, <laughs> I know. It was a huge bummer though. Um, it's a great segment, very real. But later, as Mick is in the back signing autographs for his new book backstage. Ric Flair and Randy Orton sort of walk by, and they're not in a great mood. They just lost a tag team match kind of deal. Well, Foley stops them and says, look, look, you know, you did a great job in your, in your match. You know, he's just trying to give him a compliment. And they didn't take that very well. Having lost, they thought, you know, taking a slide at him. So uh, Foley's assaulted backstage, leading to Orton punting Mick Foley down a flight of stairs in Madison Square Garden. It almost reminded me of like the Zach Gowan, uh, Brock Lesnar, yeah, absolutely, you know, kind of deal. Um, Foley actually got he needed five stitches in his head after this, which which he always hated because it's like he gave his all to that, and they never showed the the that he actually got busted open from falling down the stairs. It was never shown on TV. Um, and so this is essentially Orton claiming his first victim as the legend killer. This is the first one. And that was supposed to be it. It really, that was, Foley was ne- had never had plans to come back and have this huge feud. But Foley continued to watch Randy Orton on TV after this event. 
And he loved Randy's character. He loved his in-ring work and how well that matched up with this narcissistic way. You know, it's just it's something special about being able to sell a character and seeing if that character is going to translate into the way you move in the ring. It 100% does for Randy Orton. And so he called up Vince and said, hey, I want to work with this kid. I want to be the first wrestler to ever chicken out of a match. He really wanted to be scheduled for a match and just walk out the door when his music hit. Um, But it didn't really go over well with Stephanie and a couple other people in the back. And so they said, look, we're not going to do that. So he essentially ended up getting jumped by Evolution instead. Uh, On the December 15th, 2003 Raw main event, Randy Orton is booked in a match against Mick Foley again for the Intercontinental Championship. If Foley wins, Bischoff would leave Raw. But if Randy won, Foley would not be able to return to the WWE in any capacity. No dude love, no Cactus Jack. Uh, This is where he pulls his walkout spot, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, But it goes down a little bit differently. We think he's going to go back there and get Barbie or a chair or or something, right? He's got a huge bag of tricks. Well, he takes his bag and just walks out. We see him go to the parking lot. So Randy tracks him down, and this is an iconic moment that everybody thinks about when they think of Randy Orton. He spits in his face. And guess what? It worked. Everyone was just engrossed in this story, and everyone hated Randy Orton. Oh, yeah. Um, Nobody but Mick Foley could have pulled this off. Because essentially... Like, what does it say about a wrestler who just, like, is booked for a match, his music hits, he walks down the ramp, and then walks out? Like, that's not interesting unless it's somebody as lovable and likable and understandable. And, like, you understood why someone like Mick Foley might be, you know, l- loses his courage a little bit at this point in his career. He's such a nice guy. And so he does go on to explain the following week, like, because the, the assumption here is that Mick couldn't come back because he he forfeited the match. Well, on Raw, Foley's music hits, and there's this huge pop for, uh, you know, oh my God, Foley's going to come explain himself, and it's Randy Orton. And mm. he he's demanding mm. that Lillian Garcia come to the ring and officially announce that Randy retained the hard, you know, the Intercontinental Championship and is dubbed the Hardcore Champion, <laughs> or the Hardcore Legend. I remember this. Um... Later, he would back this up by defending the Intercontinental Championship against Foley's friend and fellow hardcore legend, Rob Van Dam. Um, and after the match, he was just like, Foley, where were you? I, I, I invited you to Raw with this ticket. Look, you didn't show up. I gave you a front row, row ticket. He didn't show. Um, they were also playing these like political attack ads for Foley at the time <laughs> that was just like, Mick Foley, coward, didn't come to Raw, like all this stuff. Yeah, I just, I feel like Vince gets a kick out of just demeaning. Vince it was Mick it Foley. was awesome. It was <laughs> it's pretty interesting. Uh, the next week, Steve Austin comes out and cuts a promo on Foley, and because this is Sheriff Austin, he comes out on Monday Night Raw every week saying something. Jesus Christ, son, you gonna take that from Randy Orton? That's right. Why don't you go drink some beer, kick his ass? Uh, he he said this wasn't the Foley that he knows. Yeah. And as sheriff of Monday Night Raw, Austin ordered Foley to show up at the Royal Rumble. 
And if he didn't, he would show up to his house and drag him to the Royal Rumble. <laughs> so Orton carries this crazy momentum from his incredible 2003 into the 2004 Royal Rumble, where he entered number two and lasted 30 minutes before being eliminated by the number 21 entrant, Mick Foley. Orton would then assault Foley with a chair, leading to a series of brutal, brutal attacks. Um, The next night on Raw, Mick goes on to explain what happened. What made him so great back in the day was that he was able to, to channel this hatred that he had, you know, for his family, for friends for people that always turned on him and 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 channel that into his opponents without mercy and he was willing to do anything to his own body to inflict pain on his opponent because of this hate that he had well after he retired he was happy he had a great family life he's just not that guy anymore and that sort of clicked for him whenever he was walking out to the ring that night well Foley calls out Orton and he demands for him to spit in his face again. Orton does. And so Foley responds with, I have no problem with you spitting in my face. My kids have done much worse. But when you call yourself the hardcore legend, you're spitting on my legacy. And that's something I take very personally. He then proceeds to punch himself in the face (laughs) until he bleeds. And attacks Orton, but of course, Evolution comes out to even the odds. So the assumption here is that we're going to see Orton versus Foley at WrestleMania 20. Instead, we get the reunion of the Rock and Sock connection. We do, because you have to you have to balance that out, right? It's Evolution. It wouldn't just be Foley and Orton at Mania. We know Evolution is there. And so the Rock comes back, uh, the crowd erupts, and WrestleMania 20 comes around. Foley, incredibly nervous. And yeah, we had that um, backstage segment where he looks kind of nervous and The Rock is trying to amp him up. No, no. Mick Foley is actually nervous. This is... He hadn't worked a match in four years. No. And the idea of competing in Madison Square Garden, the same arena where he had one of the greatest matches of all time against Evolution leader Triple H, it put a lot of pressure on him to perform like the Mick Foley of old. Like he hadn't missed a beat. Could he do that? It, it was really in his head. And, and you could really see it throughout the match uh, and throughout the backstage segment. So much so that Steve Austin went up to him after the match and was just like, you dropped the ball there. He legitimately said that to him. And, and Foley recognized that there was a lot of missed potential, missed opportunity with this match, and he was determined not to go out on a good enough match. The next week on Raw, Foley calls out Randy and says the only way that he could call himself a hardcore legend is if you could beat Mick Foley in a hardcore match one-on-one. So he challenges Randy for the Intercontinental Championship at Backlash to a hardcore match with Evolution banned from ringside. I like the stipulation. And you could hear the intensity in his voice. Like, it's, 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 he's very, very serious about it, and there's a lot of passion behind it. And you can tell he's not just doing it because it's in the script. Like, it's Mick needs this. And Randy accepts. 
But if you go watch this and watch the way Randy says yes, it's an immediate it's immediate regret. It's like it's, you could tell his confidence is slipping a little bit. Of course I'll wrestle Oh, wait a minute. Shit. Like what the hell did I just do? Um well, after Randy accepts, he introduces Randy to Barbie, the barbed wire bat, and tells Randy Mick Foley isn't showing up to backlash. But Cactus Jack will see him there. Uh, I guarantee you Randy Orton did not have a nice day. No. After that. <laughs> no, he did not. The Foley versus Evolution feud was one of the better storylines going on from that era. It lasted 10 months. Right. But this feud is still considered one of the greatest of all time. For good reason. I've always found the world hardcore really had nothing to do with chairs. It had nothing to really do with tables, garbage cans, cookie sheets. The ring hardcore signified that I love the fans enough to put my body through unimaginable pain. And even when I had the chance to take part in some barbaric matches, deep down in my heart I rested with the comfort that I was doing it for love. And I swore I'd never go back. But in trying to recapture the passion that I thought I lacked at WrestleMania, I went back and I looked at the tapes. But it wasn't the barbed wire. It wasn't the tax that caught my eye. It was my eye. And it was there that said deep down, maybe there was a little part of me that didn't mind inflicting that type of damage. Deep down when I heard the scream, the suffering, the agony, maybe deep down, I even loved it. Randy Orton, these were honorable men. They never spit in my face. They never took cheap shot, triple team efforts to send me to the hospital. But the fact is... When I had the chance, I wrapped the arm in barbed wire, and I tore them apart. So if I were you, I'd be asking myself a simple question, and that question would be, then what the hell is this man going to do to me at Backlash, knowing full well he hates my guts? The answer, Randy Orton, is simple. I'm going to tear you apart. I'm going to take Barbie. And I'm going to fuck the arm. I'm gonna tear! I'm gonna gorge! And I'm going to love it. And that brings us to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. JR and King on commentary, and would you believe it, for the first time ever, Mike Kyoto. The official in this match. How has he not been on this podcast? I can't believe it. I'm as surprised as you are. Um, But how about it? Randy Orton, Cactus Jack. This is a match that uh, so many of our listeners have been clamoring for for such a long time. And it's one that we all remember so, so fondly. Uh, they do a great, great job of having a, a really great video package recap right before the match, which, you know, always sets the tone really, really well when those I are love done a good well. package. Wow. Randy Orton, uh, during his entrance... JR says, you might want to take a good look at Randy Orton's face. You may never see it in this condition again. <laughs> Orton uh. comes out with a, a, a garbage can full of weapons. You know, that's it's a hardcore match. That's Typical. what you do, right? <clears throat> Mick Foley comes out with Barbie. 
and Cactus Jack gear is on. Oh, yeah. The leopard print boots are here, baby. Woo! And it's time for the Intercontinental Championship. Hardcore Legend versus Legend Killer. So can we talk about how Jack immediately goes insane with Barbie and they take out a cameraman? I love it. I love it. I mean, you know this match is going to start with high intensity just based off of the build and how much this means to both of these guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it does. They tear apart a garbage can. You're right. That poor cameraman never set a chance. I felt kind of bad for him, but I'm like, you knew what you were getting into, sir. Orton's barbed wire two by four unraveling at the very start. It's such great symbolism Mm -hmm. for the false hardcore legend that he's been claiming to be. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? Something that I appreciate so much about this moment in this match is they gave them time. They really did. 23 minutes worth, right, from bell to bell. 23 minutes for Foley and Orton to, to finish telling the story. Uh, and it needed every second of it. Did you guys catch the Freddy versus Jason reference from Jerry? Definitely Arnold? did. Definitely <laughs> did. <laughs> like, this match yeah. was just about as gory as that movie. Pretty much. There's a lot of blood. <laughs> so... That, you gotta love a aluminum trash can oh, <laughs> in a hardcore match. It's it just so gets, it gets unrecognizably destroyed. Like, oh, yeah. So <laughs> uh, not as unrecognizably destroyed as that backdrop onto the entrance ramp. Oh, my God. Yeah. There, there are so many bumps that they take in this match that are not in the ring. Oh, no. Yeah. And I did really enjoy Randy going for a backslide. A backslide on the ramp. <laughs> like, I know it's Falls Count anywhere, but what the fuck are you doing? Oh, I loved it. I just thought this is so dumb. I'm so here for it. Give but, me the backslide on the but ramp. But you know what I didn't love? Him repeatedly smashing Jack's head on that ramp. I didn't like that. And then he throws him head first into the steel stairs. I'm yeah. Like, well, yeah. When, they, when they do end up back in the ring, Foley sort of adjusts the pace. And he goes to work sort of on the mat, which is interesting. It's almost a, to prove a point, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I can beat you at your own game, too. I mean, it doesn't last super long. They, they go out there, and they, and they go back to the hardcore style, too. But I almost feel like that was extremely intentional for McFoley. Yeah, I would, I would fully agree. And we have a really interesting back and forth here in the beginning, right? Uh, Orton is using the garbage can on Foley's head. I mean, you're, we're getting the same sort of Foley stuff that we're used to in terms of He's just getting totally, you know, beaten down here by all these weapons. But Foley, neckbreaker on the outside, you know, sort of before the Orton back suplex onto the ramp. And so there's a really good tit-for-tat happening in the onset, the early onset of this match. Um, I think something that sort of changes things is when Foley um, is trying to... Um, fend off Barbie right he's trying to fend off Barbie and he hits the low blow on (laughs) Randy Orton right and so you know listen hardcore match that's totally fair game but it gives an opportunity it opens up a chance for him to get Sacco and so here we are in the first seven minutes of the match he pulls out Mr. Sacco and we're thinking Mandible Claw it's happening (laughs) but then he's he's torn right Cactus Jack is torn do I go with Sacco or Barbie and, and he this is chose Barbie. This is the beauty of Mick Foley in this stage of his career is he has all of these all of these things in his toolbox yeah. that he can go to. And you know, he asked the fans, he's like, Sako? Boo. A, 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 a decent cheer. Yeah. Decent cheer for Sako. Or Barbie. Yeah. <sighs> but it is it's really interesting. Am I Mick Foley tonight? Or am I Cactus Jack? That's Cactus. basically what he's asking, right? Well yeah. and a barbed wire bat 
is pretty tough to defend against. Like, what, what do you you throw your hands up? Like, wh- right, and then <laughs> yeah, and then how's that? What is that going to do? Right, like, it still hurts. <laughs> yeah. So Orton gets the Barbie to uh, you know the the barbed wire baseball bat to the face. Orton is bleeding. And I love this moment on commentary because King is like, no, he's a model. You know, he's got a, a model's face. This is terrible. He He's never going to be on the cover of, of any magazines. And JR says, well, maybe he'll be on the cover of Disfigurement Weekly. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, Foley also uh, disfigures Randy's downstairs. And yeah. um, the crowd chants something. Uh, did, I did never catch got, it. I, I didn't never catch got it. There. We, we tried to figure it out. I, I didn't Please catch go it. listen to this. If you have maybe the DVD, you might hear it better. I think I guess Peacock may have dumbed it down. I, I can't understand what they're saying here. Yeah, it's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. All I can hear is King saying he's not only sick, he's perverted. <laughs> That's what King says in the moment. But the crowd is chanting something. I have no idea. Yeah, what they're I have no idea. They're chanting. I was chanting, "You sick fuck, you sick fuck." <laughs> and then we could have, have could have been it. We have simultaneously my favorite moment of the match and also my most hated moment of the match. <laughs> oh no. Jack produces a can of gasoline uh. and douses Barbie in gas, grabs a lighter, and then, no, Cactus Jack McFarlane, whatever you're calling yourself, if you light that on fire, not only will you lose the match, but the fire marshal will shut this show down and deprive all these fans of a good show. You son of a bitch, don't do it. And I'm like, fuck you, but also... I love the heat this gets. It does get some heat a on Bishop, lot of which heat. is argued. Like, did you need that? Like, <laughs> probably not. But I got it. But my thing was, if if the fire marshal legitimately did say no, you can't do that. Then just don't do this. Don't tease the fans with fire and then not give it to them. I sort of agree with that. I mean, it's not like ta- it's not like the tie pay death match. Like because this match is going to happen. You're not going to remember this segment. Anyway. You're not going to remember this after the match. So why have it in there in the first place? The only thing I could think of is that it was originally scheduled to happen. I think it was because I'm almost certain that that was actually gasoline he was pouring. Yeah, it was not clear. No, I th- I think this was supposed to be a flaming barbed wire moment, uh, but the athletic commission probably shut it down. They probably actually got wind of it and told them not to do it. But I do like Jack's like, all right, fine. I'm going to get this piece of plywood covered in barbed wire. Yeah, he's got a backup plan. Uh, so let me just ask you, where does one find a barbed wire bed in in the wild? Uh, underneath <laughs> Terry Funk's bed. <laughs> that makes all the sense. That would be the wild, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't think too much about that. Just <laughs> Well, you see. Uh, no. Oh, you see, Cactus, I have this bed I like to sleep on every now and then. It's kind of like a back scratcher. It'll <laughs> it'll carve you up pretty good. <laughs> so speaking of things you just find in the wild, where the <laughs> hell was Randy Orton hiding that powder? In his trunks? Only thing I can think of. I have no idea where that came from. I have it literally no idea where came, that came out from. of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, but it was at- one of the best like surprise moments because typically you see them like go under the ring and put something in their hands or something. I had no idea that yeah. he had powder in his hands when he did that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like he was went pocket sand. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and and as so often happens in Mick Foley's career, the weapon that he brought out is what's used against him. Yeah, because after that powder. Uh, Randy does the patented power slam onto the barbed wire bed, and I'm like, "Oh, 
Oh, it looks painful. Yeah. It's not cotton candy. I mean, listen, no. I, I don't know. I, I And I don't know. Obviously, like barbed wire, I don't know how you can gimmick it to any extent. Like, I'm sure they're plastic tips or whatever rubber. it is. Rubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But still. Well, you see the markings on Mick's arm. It's all gashed up. So I think at least some of it yeah. was razor wire. I'd yeah. It's just... Oh, no, not razor. Razor wire would have, like... Oh, it would have killed him. Yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> barbed wire. Well, just like, just like the, with, the, with, the, with the big show in JBL with the razor wire case. That's, you know? <laughs> that was a terrible idea. <laughs> there is no part of me ever that wants to feel barbed wire against my skin. Me neither. Okay, it just... I, no, thank you. But I don't mind watching Cactus Jack Irish whipped into it. <laughs> And then drop kicked onto it, and then have it thrown onto him while down on the mat. Well, there's one element that's introduced rather late into the match that is a very, very important element, and those would be thumbtacks, ladies and gentlemen. I was waiting for this because that no box, gummy bears this time. That box was just chilling in the corner for a long time. It sure was. I was really hoping it was head. You know, Al Snow. That's what I was hoping for, but. Thumbtacks it is. That would be really funny, actually. <laughs> thumbtacks it is. The thumbtacks come out. <laughs> Hardcore legend right there. And then hey. <laughs> I, I think the moment that everybody remembers this match for, the RKO attempt that is blocked, and he is just shoved, lands back, and apparently hand first. He got some height on that RKO. Oh, yeah. And so falling from that height into thumbtacks is ill-advised at best <laughs> and his reaction has uh, you got to believe is a thousand That's percent real. genuine yeah i mean it's just wonderful that is him going oh you said it wasn't gonna be this bad <laughs> <laughs> yep but then he looks at his hand That's probably it, actually what he's thinking for me though like when you see his hand and wrist are just completely yeah. covered and i'm like oh hey, is he supposed to work a match if he got his hand which is why i'm convinced they actually go backstage yeah, you know, the of course the the line he looks like a human pincushion happens of course because he actually does. And you're right, Paul, they go back up, they go up the ramp up to the top of the stage, they disappear for 30 seconds or less. They're gone not very long. Uh but the the tacks are gone from his hand when they return, yes. which is, you know, good. Um but it is not the end of things oh, no. as we know. When Foley tosses Orton from the stage. <sighs> oh. He leaves behind this miasma of blood, sweat, and tacks that just go flying through the air. Have you been listening to Matt Stryker do commentary? <laughs> you know. Miasma. <laughs> Your asthma? My asthma? <laughs> I do love how after that he's like, fuck it, I'm going to do a diving elbow drop. God, I love it. How about Air Foley? Air Foley. We needed it. I'm glad we got it. So Although, great. I will say... The the thing that they fought, that box that they fall through, had a really sharp corner. Yeah, it did. That it looks like Foley avoids on the on the landing, One but I was hope. just like, uh, that was way too close for comfort because that thing was sharp. Well, and Foley's arm already looks like hamburger meat at this point. Oh, God. It's bad. I hate the hamburger meat reference. Oh, it's so <laughs> gross. <laughs> it's what it looks like. No. So uh, somehow Randy kicks out. How the hell does he kick out of that? Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know. But Jack is not cool with that. <laughs> so he drags what's <laughs> left of the hamburger patty of beef that he as Randy Orton at this point back to the ring. 
double uh. arm DDT. And I'm like, that's it. Match is over. Well, Kyoto goes for the count. But he must have hit a thumbtack or something. Yeah, he's, he's, he's struggled. Just, he's str- Listen, if he was going to make our list, he was going to earn it. Okay, <laughs> so he does. Just the, and, and he doesn't. Uh, he probably gets the thumbtack in his hand on the one, but he still goes for the two. And when he that kicked, had to push it in further, didn't it? And then, and then on the <laughs> on the three, you know, when Orton kicks out, he's just, then he sells it. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Orton, who looks like he's defeated, oh yeah, isn't he? Kicks out of that double arm DDT, and he retrieves Barbie. And I'm like, haven't we seen enough of this damn bat? And apparently, Mick Foley thought so because he gets a low blow to one Randall Orton. Yeah, at this point, Orton, of course, has been bleeding. They do really good camera work in catching ca- catching Orton really when he gets busted open earlier in the match and getting that sort of look from him. Foley gets busted open. It looks like he gets hit right in the face with Barbie, and his I think he does. Yeah, and he looks cut, you know, like right over his eye or something because his face is pretty, pretty covered pretty quickly, um, which is a, a weird mix with the powder that's on his face still. Yeah. So it's quite an He's image. Still covered in powder. Uh, but you're right. The low blow by Randy Orton. This guy was either in a hardcore wrestling match or at a crazy night at the club. Well, listen, <laughs> or both, or, or both. Um, and then. The first RKO from Randy Orton. Wow, I like how he gets the mandible claw locked back in again, and that's when the RKO is hit. Yeah, love that. But I don't think he got all of it, and apparently neither did Mick because Mick kicks out. <laughs> and I don't think anybody kicked out of the RKO at this point. Yeah, how about that? How about that? I thought that was interesting as well. Um, but also not totally surprising considering what happens next. Randy Orton... After hitting the first RKO, hits the Barbie KO, hits the second one onto the barbed wire baseball bat, right? And that is enough to seal the deal. But notice, though, Jack tried to kick out, but he just didn't have the strength for it. Which is such a great Foley thing. We've seen it him is. do that a couple of times. Yep. Yep. The, uh, the landing on the barbed wire bat was as perfect as you could have imagined it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if they practiced that or if Foley just has great precision but it looked really great, and I don't think this match could have ended any other way. Agreed. Evolution stayed out of it the whole time. Yep, they even come, when it's over. Yeah, they come retrieve Orton from ringside, but nothing, they don't, you know, attack. Nothing Nothing post-match happens. Randy Orton was the better man against Mick Foley in a hardcore match. That's it. He won it clean, and I think this cemented Randy Orton as an incredible performer Agreed. that was going to go really far in professional wrestling. And a tough guy. And a hell of a tough guy. Just absolutely excellent, excellent match. Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. This is a moment, uh, you know, like you said, Landon, in a really good year, this is a standout still. And uh, for Mick Foley to, to, I mean, you know, I feel like we've talked all the time about Foley's last performance. Right, and he just keeps sort of moving that bar for for what his last performance was going to be, um, and this was really really good. And of course, like you said, Randy Orton that we know today maybe doesn't exist. I don't think if so. this match doesn't happen. Speaking of setting the bar, gentlemen, what are your favorite moments? God, the um, really, it's that first drop into the thumbtacks for Randy. <laughs> That, yeah, that reaction from him. Yeah, I, I would have to agree, and I really love actually Foley rolls up Orton right afterwards, 
and yeah. it's like the ugliest roll up I've ever seen. But it's like <laughs> Randy's got tax in his back. Oh, so like, yeah, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Uh, but I just, yeah, it's a great, great, great moment uh, for for me. It's the el- the tossing Randy off the stage, and then mm. the officials coming to him, and he like attacks him, and then does the elbow. I that gets me every time. And then, as I said earlier, for some reason, Bischoff stopping the fire. And I'm like, why do I like this? I should hate this. I don't. <laughs> Maybe it's because it's like Bischoff being Bischoff, and you're like, oh, fuck you. You're robbing us of the fire, when in reality, it's like, we're not going to do the fire, but we're going to tease you. Um, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, I think Foley punches Jack Dome. He does. God. I don't know what Jack did to deserve it, but... He, I Wouldn't he let him attack Randy Don't Orton. ask him. Don't ask him. <laughs> so... Um, I love this match. Um, I, I think this is probably one of the best, if not like well, one of the better, but the best hardcore matches they've done. Cause this is like, I felt like for a long time, the hardcore matches were, were silly and like comedy. This is not silly. Yeah. Great point. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I do feel like there was a little bit of a governor here. Like they didn't go like completely insane. They did a lot here though, but I, I just don't think that W was going to let Randy, do anything completely insane. Um, I can't help but compare this to the One Night Stand 2006 match between uh, Terry Funk and um, and uh, Tommy Dreamer against Edge and Mick Foley. I can't help but compare it to that because that is like, this is what happens when there are no rules and you guys can do whatever you want. Yeah, that's a really good comparison. Um, this is like the much more... WWE is like, all right, you can do this, but we're going to like... We're going to, like, tame it a little bit. And that doesn't take anything away, because this match is great. I love this match. Um, So I feel like it's kind of like Dan if you do, Dan if you don't. Like, Dan if you do let them go even further, and then they do both get seriously injured, and Dan if you don't, because, oh, man, they should have done this, this, and this. So I feel like it does suffer from that a little bit, but at the same time, is like, this match is fucking great. So that being said, we have to rank this thing, guys. Yeah, for the seventy second time, right? And this is this one to me is um, it's unique. You know, there's only a couple of matches that you can look to on our list and compare them in terms of style, um, and so that makes it a, a difficult one to rank. Um, but it's also one that people remember really, really fondly. Oh yeah, and so I, that's I, something to keep in mind here when we think about all the things that go into what we what we use to rank a match like this. So, with that being said, here we are for now the twelfth time in season four. Uh, does anyone want to volunteer to put themselves through going first? Sure, I'll go first. I'll, oh, never oh, mind. Well, you I just, talking first. I so. think I should go first because because I just I'm going to be biased. Fair. Do this it. is Do this it. is Randy Orton in 2004, who is if you were to to say who was your favorite wrestler who you know from the time period that <laughs> when you watched them, uh, that would it would be 2004 Randy Orton for me, and so with with that bias. You know, sort of. I'll try and put it aside, but if it can be a hundred percent aside, I don't know. Right now, the first thing that comes to mind is okay. We'll look at the Cactus Jack versus Triple H match from the Royal Rumble. Oh yeah, incredible match, one of the greatest ever. And I think this one outpaces it, and it does. It does. It does greater things for both of these guys than that one did for Triple H and, and well, and Mick Foley. I think Mick is in significantly better condition here because he, he just needs it more yeah here, and you can tell at, at, at the rumble he had had some time off but he was really hurting 
For reference, that is uh, match number 43 on our list of 71 so far. And so I'd, I'd like to do a crawl up from there. If I think it's better than that, do I think it's better than DIY Revival? Hell yeah. I don't, I don't even like DIY Revival that much. <laughs> we <laughs> you have talked made about that this. perfectly clear. We've talked about this. Um, Manami Toyota, Akira Hokuto. That one's really <laughs> tough. Four power bombs. Really tough. Um, but I do think this match is a little bit more iconic on a more global stage. That's fair. Um, Brian Danielson versus Nigel McGuinness, I think, very similar. Very yes. similar. It, I mean, the things that they do to each other Headbutts. Are, are just absolutely brutal. Things that I hope I never, ever see again. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I get caught up around 40, but if I look one more and see Kofi Mania, Kofi Kingston versus Brian Danielson... I'd, I would rewatch ability-wise. I would rewatch this match before that one. So Orton, Orton Foley at Backlash 2004 is not going to go over Kurt Angle versus Undertaker for no. me. So <laughs> I would put it as the new number 39. I feel like you read my mind. Cause you know, I do that a lot on this show, Paul. I actually didn't go 39. I went, I went 40, but still like, okay. So what? yeah, what, what about Kofi Mania? Sell it to me. What about Kofi Mania makes it uh, over what they did at Backlash? Kofi celebrating with his kids. That's pretty great. With the with like the Kofi Mania shirt and the belt and Big and Xavier. But there. does that make it a better match? No, but it's just a better... F- you feel so good when that match is over because you're like, finally. It's important. Finally, Kofi has been recognized as the top guy. It's important, and it's not just important for Kofi. You know, there's a lot that goes into that moment. Um, the power of positivity. Inevitably, we do consider things more than just the match, you know? And so I think that's worth considering. It's not... I think if moments were just the match, then there are some matches on our list that don't make it. Sure. So, And the evil vegan was defeated. Oh, I did love his eco-friendly WWE I did belt. too. That was a great belt. Um, so you're sticking 40, Paul? You're, you've... You think? Uh, it's a hard call. Yeah, th- 3940 sounds like a good place for us to be. Spencer, what do you think? So, <laughs> this is interesting because I am not that high on this match. Okay. Um, my first comparison was Edge McFoley because it feels a lot like the same thing, right? I, I think Edge it's, was further in log in his career, obviously, than yeah. Orton was at this point. That's not very far from where we were, so I mean. Right. Um, but when I think of memorable matches and matches that I think are um, the greatest of all time, I think Edge McFoley is better than this one. Not by a ton, but just a little bit. So I would probably climb down um, and put it Right in between, uh, just one more down. I'd put Heart Perfect um, just above this match, and I would place this at forty-seven. The new number forty-seven, okay. right above Jeff Hardy Undertaker. Okay. Do you not agree that it's better and more impactful to the wrestling at the time and what these two men, kind of the trajectory of their careers, than? The Royal Rumble 2000 match between Foley and Triple H. We talked about how elevated Triple H gets after, you know, and that's that's his coming out party. That's sort of the thing about these trio of Mick Foley matches that we talk about, whether it's Royal Rumble or Backlash or WrestleMania 22. 
all three of them are really an end of a chapter for Mick Foley. Basically, yeah. And the beginning for someone else's. And so it's hard for me to say, necess- I mean, like, how do I compare that, right? Triple H went on to be one of the greatest of all time. Edge went on to be one of the greatest of all time. Randy Orton went on to be one of the greatest of all time, right? So and Mick saying- Foley helped put them there. Like, I agree completely. But Royal Rumble 2000 was the end of that first big run for Mick Foley. Backlash 2004, we don't see him in the ring again, really, in a serious capacity for a while. And then, obviously, WrestleMania 22 is the last WrestleMania match for Mick Foley. Yeah. So, in terms of impact, I think all three of those men were elevated because of Mick Foley. Oh, absolutely. varying levels and varying degrees. Um, it, I, I could absolutely argue that, that Randy Orton maybe benefited the most from the three of them. I understand that, absolutely. I, I, I think that's in part due to... The fact that Edge was further along in his career already he had won world titles, and I understand that. I mean, um, Orton has had the most title reigns. Yeah, I, and I and I think Orton like immediately gets the gets you know the the benefit of this match. You know, we talked about what happens at SummerSlam in two thousand four uh, with him winning the World Heavyweight Championship. So, if I'm talking about impact, I do think it's easily comparable between those three matches. However. Um, Randy Orton probably does receive the biggest rub out of the three of them, probably followed by Triple H and then Edge. So could I at least talk you down to number 42, which would put it right underneath DIY Revival uh, and above Cactus Jack Triple H? I mean, if we're going to go that far, this is the the tough part about this, though, is because I, I think it is a better match than DIY Revival. I do, too. That's why I ended up going higher. So I would probably go, if we're going to do that, like I would, I would probably go above DIY Revival, um, and put myself there at forty-two. Forty-two is a good number, right below Toyota and Hokuto. Four power bombs. Um, but this is a really interesting section of our list here. It's a really tough section of the it list. It is. It's a really, really tough section because these moments are historic moments. Mm-hmm. They're also brutal moments, and they're also things that are unlike most of the rest of our list. And there's Joshi. So what do you think, if we had to pick one factor that might outweigh other factors, is that factor impact, rewatchability, enjoyability? I I would check every single box you just said. And so if you take all of those things into account and add it up to some sort of mathematical score in your head... Well, as we all know, the meaning of life is uh, 42. <laughs> I, I do think this match is easier to digest than some of the other ones in this area. And so, so in terms of rewatchability, like I would rewatch it before Toyota Hokuto, before Danielson McGinnis. I might rewatch it before I watch, maybe not Kingston and Bryan, I don't know. Um, That's such a feel-good moment. But I, I would watch it before I'd watch Cactus Jack Triple H. I'd, I'd watch it before I watch Liger and Muda. If if we're talking about rewatchability, I think this match has that. You know, impact. We talked about it at length now about how how Randy Orton's career was impacted. Um, I and this is why my forty seven was not a solid number. You know, right. like this was this was a conversation I needed to have. So I guess if I if I'm thinking of impact and I'm looking at what we have, we talked about this spot between Toyota Hokuto and DIY Revival. The impact that Toyota and Hokuto had on professional wrestling as a whole cannot be overstated. Agreed. Ever. Yeah. So I 
Landon. would be willing Landon. to go 42. Landon, four power bombs. Four power bombs. Well, that's still the record. I mean, say no more. I mean, that's that's we should have brought that up at the beginning. You're absolutely right. Um, okay, so 42 is where we will sit, which, you know, all things considered, only a couple spots behind where you were. Yeah. It's sort of... We met in the middle. Sort of in the middle. Sort of in sort the of middle. Sort of Closer to y'all's side, but I'm happy with that. I think 42 is a really good spot. Let's see if the listeners agree. Yeah, 42 out of 72 so far. Let us know uh, whether you're listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, do two things for us. One of them, rate and review. That would be super great. Um, subscribe as well, but also give us your feedback. Let us know how you feel about this match. Do you think it deserves to be in the upper upper echelon, um, the top half, you know, of this seventy-two list so far, or do you think it's kind of right where it goes, or did we were we too kind? You know, does it go even lower than that on the list? And make sure you help the algorithm out by hitting the bell button for notifications. Yeah, so, if you're watching on YouTube, definitely we would love that subscribe. Uh, in the bell icon for notifications. Yeah, like, if, share, subscribe. Hey, and if you're listening to us on Patreon, you're listening to this early. Yeah, you yep. are. Thank you so much for, for being a part of our Patreon family. You've got some really amazing content coming up. Um, some, some Hey, you $20 tier patrons are going to be back on the show for trivia very, very soon. We're very so, excited, so about, excited that. about that. So, excited about that. So soon. Yeah, it's going to be really, really good. And we've got some other so trivia stuff going on. You know, there's some titles to defend, if you will. There sure are. Um, so really, really good stuff coming up on Patreon and on our main feed. Uh, so listen, I am so ready to tackle the rest of Season 4, guys. We've got a lot of really, really good stuff coming down the line. And until Episode 73, I'm Spencer. I'm Paul. I'm Landon. And this is Last, Last Match Standing. Standing. I can't do it with this candy in my mouth. I'm so sorry. I <laughs> oh, thought I could do it. Let me chew it real quick. It was one of those things where, like, I breathed it in through the hole in the candy. Oh, no. It's <laughs> like, I think I'm going to die. Please don't. I'm keeping all of this. <laughs> Good, you should. Well, if that's the spirit, then uh, I hear it's amazing when the famous purple stuffed worm in Flapjaw Space with the tuning fork... Does a raw blank on Harry Carey Rock. I need scissors. 61. <laughs>